Sugarcoated. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, the CEO and founder of She Leads Media. For far too long, women have been conditioned to sugarcoat their words, their actions, and the way they show up in the world, and to conform to certain cultural norms and ideals. This is inherently designed to keep those who are outside of the norm from gaining power, prestige, wealth, and influence, preventing more women from being recognized and respected as the powerful leaders that we truly are. Join me each week as we dive into raw conversations with remarkable, uncompromising, and inspirational women that will encourage you to strip away your sugar coating and move boldly in the direction of your magnificent dreams. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Sugar Coated. I am so excited because I have a wonderful guest for you to listen to today. Her name is Dr. Candice Setti, and she is a wealth of information all on mindset, what we do to sabotage ourselves, weight loss, and and I'm sure so much more that we'll get into. Uh, so I would just like to welcome to Sugar Coated, Candice Setti. Hello. Hi, Candice. How are you doing? Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, the beginning of Memorial Day weekend, mm-hmm. so we have a couple of days ahead of us to kind of, I hope, relax and enjoy our lives and sort of, I guess, hug our loved ones just in this crazy world that we're living in now. There's a, every time we turn around, there's just something more awful happening But, you know, I think the best thing that we can do is just to show the people that are closest to us how much we we love them. So, yeah, (laughs) on that happy note. I love that perspective, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I am so excited because uh, we met because I put out an inquiry for uh, gift bags for the retreat that we were just on with a a group of women. We all went to Montana and had an an incredible time. We talked about business. We talked about personal. uh, We did a physical challenge. And I I think everybody kind of uh, came away with a new perspective. It was was an incredible couple of days in Montana, someplace that I had never been. Candice, you uh, so generously provided us with a couple of different workbooks all around uh, self-sabotage. And I am a a self-proclaimed (laughs) self-saboteur. I I don't say that proudly, but I, (laughs) I, I certainly do that to myself. So I would just love to hear a little bit about you and sort of what prompted you to to be doing the the great work that you're doing. Well, wow, thank you for that. So I am a licensed clinical psychologist. I have been for almost 20 years now, gosh, a long time. And I have historically, or, you know, since I started out, I've specialized in working with the eating disorder population and working on body image and self-esteem. And through that work, um, I naturally started to gravitate to working with the binge eating population and weight management and weight loss and all of that. And that sort of coincided actually with my own personal weight loss experience and weight loss journey, which just gave me even more insight into why it was so important to look at this more from a psychological perspective than it is from just let's pay attention to our calories and and all of that that nonsense that we know doesn't really work with any kind Mm -hmm. of longevity. And so, you know, in that work and in my own experience, I started specializing more and more 
uh, doing weight management therapy. Again, on that track, I also became a certified nutrition coach, a certified personal trainer, a certified weight management specialist, because I was working so much more with that population. And in digging into that, I also learned more and more about how sleep was such a critical part of weight management, became a certified insomnia treatment clinician um, because of that and all of the work I was doing there. And over time, I realized, you know, there, there are so many things that go on from a kind of cognitive mental health standpoint that contribute to weight management issues. And self-sabotage is a huge piece of that equation. And I found with every single person I worked with, there was a self-sabotage component, sometimes very big, sometimes smaller, but it was always very, very present. And so it became apparent to me that I was working with self-sabotage with every single individual I was working with. And so that through that course became another specialty area of mine. And that's where that, that other book came from. So oh my that's gosh. sort of a, a brief synopsis of the last 20 years of my career. <laughs> a lot of certifications, a lot of really great work. Yeah. And I mean, gosh, I, you know, there's so much pressure in society, especially with women. And I don't know if you work primarily with women or with, you know, all genders, um, but there, there's a lot of pressure. Yeah, all genders, definitely. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's so much pressure to look a certain way, to behave a certain way, to, you know, respond a certain way, to push yourself a certain way. And all of this pressure, I mean, it accumulates and it and it changes the way we talk to ourselves. It changes, you know, our drives. It changes the way we stand in our way. It changes our relationship with food, our relationship with our body. I mean, all of these things are implemented, are impacted by so many external forces. Mm, gosh, yeah. It is I really mean, powerful. It is so powerful. And, you know, even when people, you know, claim and they really believe it that they they want a certain outcome and and yet you know something even more powerful than that kind of takes over I, I know that I've I've definitely suffered from that like when people ask like well are you sure that you really want it it's like no 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 I really really want it but yet there's something that's even more powerful that's kind of keeping me or, you know, others or whatever in that pattern of behavior. Because I, I know that you sort of like get something out of it, right? By continuing to perpetuate some of those habits that you just mm-hmm. know are not good for you. But yeah. they're they're just like the de facto behavior. They feel so comfortable, right? Yes. Yes. And that's that's kind of a key word you just hit on comfort. I mean, so much of our self-sabotage is rooted in keeping ourselves comfortable because change by its very nature is uncomfortable, right? It's putting us in a situation we've not been in before and is unknown to us. And we, there there is a powerful force inside of us to keep us in our comfort zone. And (laughs) by making change, even positive change, even towards the things we want, the things we may have always wanted, the things we feel are powerful, it requires change and we fight that. In our very yeah. nature, we fight change. And so that fear of change is a really powerful driver, sometimes more powerful than the thing that we think we want. 
Yeah, that that has to be sort of baked into our DNA, right? It's it's something that mm-hmm. keeps our our humankind quote unquote safe because when you do sort of venture out into the world, there's scary things that are that are out there or even if you mm-hmm. sort of change the way that people are reacting to you, right? Like you might get more positive attention even, which is, you know, you would think, well, that's not a bad thing, but that sets us up. Also, it opens us up to unknown people, unknown forces. And so, you know, that having to almost deal with that, unknown everything, and then having to deal with that Uh can be scary, even though it's something that maybe we desire. It's, I, I know, such a complicated, complicated issue. Yeah. Well, and it's the approach avoidance conflict, right? I mean, I want yeah. this thing, but I'm scared of this stuff. And so we have this this conflict of whether we want to move towards it or whether we want to stay away from it. And again, the unknowns are so scary and the knowns are safe, right? Yeah. We know what this looks like, where I am, what I'm doing, what my experience is like. We know what that is. And even if we don't like it, it is safe. And we are kind of inter- internally drawn towards that safety for sure. So how do, how do people sort of like, I mean, listen, I know that it's very complicated and that there's not one answer, but, you know, what what is like maybe something that somebody can do to at least recognize that they're in this pattern of, of self-sabotage and, you know, is recognition enough? It's a really, really wonderful start. It's not mm. everything, but, <laughs> but it, it, can be, it can be a powerful first step because if we don't give it attention to say we're doing it, obviously our hands are tied in doing anything about it. So yeah. we definitely need to pay attention to it. And I encourage everybody I work with to actually track it, to look mm. at their behavior all day, every day, mm. and compare that with their goals right? This is what I want. Okay. So what I really want is to get promoted. And let me look at my behavior all day, every day and say, is that moving me towards that or moving me away from that? When I volunteer to give that presentation, that might be moving me towards that. When I put off working on that presentation yet another day and procrastinate further, that's moving me away from that. When I avoid that meeting, that's moving me away from that. When I, mm. you know, hide in the back of the of the you know meeting, that's moving me away from that. So looking at what you want and then looking at every day, all day at your behavior and saying, is that helping me achieve that thing I want or is that moving me further away from the things that I want? And just identifying that is a really, really powerful first start because People are surprised when they look at that and they say, wow, most of my behavior is actually in conflict with the thing that I want. And that identifying that can be a powerful motivator to say, "Okay, now I want to do something about that. Yeah, because I I think that even though we might not want to or admit it, it, we do lie to ourselves. Right. Or we, we at least justify Right. Like, oh, well, yes. there wasn't another. We justify, <laughs> we rationalize. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yes, yeah. we do a I, lot of rationalizing of our behavior. And this, what you're suggesting, it, it sort of gets that in black and white in front of your face and you kind of can't ig- ignore it. I, I actually just finished listening yeah. to this um, book. It was called The Power of Habit. 
and it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all about habits and everything, which I'm, I'm kind of like getting obsessed yeah. with. But the end, the very, very end <laughs> of the book, which I, I almost didn't listen to for some reason, because I was like, oh, the book is over. But I listened to, I think it's just a, a little bit more at the end, a prologue. It, it talks exactly about what you're saying. It's, it's almost like getting scientific and experimenting, right? And they talk about mm-hmm. with, with the habit, it's like the you know, the trigger, the, the trigger, the reward, and like what happened just before that. And it was, he he suggested you approach it like a scientist, right? Like figure out like, okay, what was the trigger? What happened right before it? I was, you know, looking at email and I found myself to be bored. And I, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, I loved the book, but even more so than the book, I loved the end of it. And I thought to myself, if I had just like just read or just listened to the end of it, (laughs) I wouldn't have wasted all that time listening now. But it was it was really good. (laughs) No, that's a great that's a great book, and it's a good it's a good correlate because I talk a lot about self sabotage. I talk a lot about you know issues in weight management, all as being habit change based. Right? Mm. Our our modes of self sabotage are habitual right? There are things that we do over and over again, things that we respond to in the same way over and over again. So when we look at it and we try and make change into it, we're changing habit. And that's a process, right? It takes time. It takes repetition. It takes focus. Yeah. And it's not just, I do this this one time and it's done. I need to keep focusing on it and keep putting effort into it because anytime you change habit, really what you're doing is replacing habit. Yes. Right. You're creating new habits to replace old habit. When X happens, instead of doing Y, I do Z. Yeah. And it takes time to make that habit change. And it takes yeah. a lot of focus and a lot of energy and a lot of effort, but it's almost always worthwhile. Oh, and consistency. I think that that's something too, that it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I hear Absolutely. over and over again. It's like, just keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. And, you know, I think, mm-hmm. I think that's, it's definitely challenging. There's no way around it. I mean, we live in such crazy times. We're always so busy that sometimes even when we want certain things, it is very difficult, challenging to sort of maintain that consistency. But I, I think it's it's sort of going in deep and asking, you know, do you really want to change? And if so, like these are the actions that you need to take. I think that mm-hmm. so much of this too, you know, can be applied to even, uh, you know, I work with a lot of women entrepreneurs and women leaders. And I think so many of us sabotage our success as entrepreneurs. And I think it has so much to do with the fact that as a woman entrepreneur, it's challenging to, you know, get access to capital, to grow your business in a certain way, to feel comfortable charging for your value, you know, whatever that means. And so do do you do any work with people that are sort of looking to, you know, stop sabotaging their their success when it comes to growing their business? Yes, yes absolutely. I mean, there, there is so much fear involved in that, you know, as, as any entrepreneur, much less a female entrepreneur. But, you know, we talked a lot earlier about kind of fear and fear of change, which is a big driver there. But fear of success and fear of failure are both massive drivers for self-sabotage. Mm. And, you know, people think that's kind of strange. 
sometimes people understand the whole idea of fear of success being a reason why we might sabotage something. If I'm scared of getting this, of course, I'm going to sabotage it. But people don't understand fear of failure as much being a source of sabotage, because if you're sabotaging, you're creating a failure, essentially, that you're scared of. So it's like you're engaging in a behavior that's creating the feared outcome. But the big difference is that when we self-sabotage, instead of going for something and creating failure, we are in control of it. It's something that we've done. It's something that Mm. we've chosen, right? So let's say somebody has, you know, a big test that they need to, to study for. They can study, study, study and fail the test, or they can not study and fail the test. And if they don't study and fail the test, they get to say, well, I didn't study. That's why I failed. It's not It's not because of me as a person. I'm not stupid. I'm not incapable. I just didn't study. So I can, sh- I can blame the behavior. And mm. I was in control of that outcome. Mm. As opposed to I've studied like crazy and I failed the test. And now I have no control over that. I have this hope and this big expectation and got let down. And also this says something about me as a person. Yeah, And so I can control all that outcome. So that fear of failure is a really powerful driver there, especially for people trying to start a business or build a business. Mm. But also fear of success yeah. is a huge problem here, right? I mean, a lot of us put a lot of, of you know, emphasis and meaning on success, right? If I can just achieve why I am going to be happy, mm. And then there's this really big cloud hanging over us of what if I achieve that and I'm not happy. Mm. And now I've just put all this effort into this thing that I thought was going to give me this desired outcome and it doesn't. Mm. And that's a big reason why people sabotage. (laughs) Well, and another piece of that is the now what effect, because let's say I've been trying to achieve something for 10 years and then I achieve it. Then there's another now what of, what do I do? Yeah. What do I focus on? This has been my sole focus for a decade. And now what do I do? Where do I look? What do I focus on? What do I put my energy into it? Into And that can be overwhelming, right? Yeah. yeah. Not oh. to mention the fact that success has some side effects, mm. right? I mean, if what I really want is to start a business and it's going to make me feel great, I'm going to be proud, I'm going to you know take ownership of this, great. But what are the side effects of that? It, it may mean less time with my family. It may mean I have to stop putting energy and effort into some of these other things. It may mean there's more demands on me that that feel debilitating. And there are these negative things that come with success as well, which is another reason why we self-sabotage. So yeah. there's a lot of fear aspects standing in our way when it comes to, you know, entrepreneurship, when it comes to, you know, even just advancing in our careers, even if it's not as an entrepreneur, there's a lot of factors that create this success fear, this failure fear, this change fear yeah. that all come into play and set us up to self-sabotage. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And and sometimes, it, well, and I guess oftentimes we don't even realize that that we're, we're sort of doing it. We're just, you know, we're keeping in our comfort zone. I know 10 years ago, a little bit more than that now, I worked at PricewaterhouseCoopers. And, you know, it was a really intense environment. And I looked around at, at sort of the upper management leadership of, of the company. And, you know, a lot of the women, they 
divorced or, you know, they didn't have a family or they didn't, you know, spend a lot of time with their family. And I said to myself, I don't want that. That's not success to me. I, you know, I would like to be in those positions of power, control, you know, executive management. But if I need to be like what I see, I choose to not do that. And um, I actually ultimately ended up leaving there. You know, I don't think I sabotaged, but maybe I did. Um, you know, maybe I, maybe I really did because um, I, I, I realized that that place was not a, a fit for me. Um, and I did end up starting my own business at that time. But, you know, I, I think that unconsciously, subconsciously, that, you know, I, I knew that like this wasn't for me and I wanted to get out, but the, it didn't seem like there would be a really good reason to leave because I had this great job on paper. But I didn't I didn't want what was what was next. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's not uncommon to see situations like that where on paper everything looks right and feels right. But, you know, internally for us, our needs are just not getting met. And we may not always understand why if we're not really digging into it and looking at it and saying, what what are my needs? Okay, maybe my needs are work-life balance. Maybe my needs are creativity and maybe my needs are autonomy. But like looking at that, right? If Mm. we're not looking at that, we may not understand why we're not happy. Yeah. And I can say, look, you have a good high paying, you know, quality job. You're respected. You know, you have a, a nice career trajectory. It looks great. Yeah. But if it's not meeting your needs, it's not meeting your needs. Yeah. And I and think being I mean, honest I, I think about kudos that. to you for do something about that. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's funny. And, and you know, <laughs> it, it's, um, you know, ever since then in starting my own business, there's been a lot of moments of success and uh, a, a lot of other moments, as I think all entrepreneurs kind of face of feeling like, oh, my gosh, what, you know, what the heck am I doing? And just thinking, let me just go back and and get a job so that I can have a consistent paycheck and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, I start to kind of play Mm -hmm. that out in my mind. And I say, no way, I don't think I could ever work for anybody anymore because I have so much autonomy and I I love, uh, you know, having command and control of my time. Not that I really do, um, but at least I feel like I do. (laughs) So, well, and perception is probably 95% of the game there, right? Exactly. How, how you see it and is what's important. Whether it actually plays out like that doesn't matter. Right. But again, it's about identifying those values and those trade-offs, right? Everything is going to have some positives and some negatives, but they're weighted, right? Yeah. This one positive may be much more important to you than this one negative. So they're both in that situation, but this one you value so much more. So we make decisions based on that weight. Yeah. And and I think that those what's important, too, is sometimes those things, they change over time or, you know, due to other circumstances. And I think women need to be given the permission, if you will, to be able to make those changes, make the choice to change. We don't always have to stick to, you know, this decision we made. We we have the authority to make changes that benefit ourselves. And I don't think that... Yeah enough women kind of stand up and say that for themselves. Yeah. Well, and you see that very commonly women who have kids later on in life and maybe prior to having children, you know, they were, you know, really busting it in their career, moving up the career ladder. 
and then they have kids and there's this dissonance in that initial drive to kind of continue moving up their career ladder and to take a step back to give more time to their family and to have more of a work-life balance and they get stuck right yeah. where they they kind of want this but they've always wanted that and yeah. now they're not quite sure what to do and they they almost don't feel like it's okay to say well I don't really think I want that anymore yeah and now I think I want this and to embrace the fact that those desires and needs change as your life trajectory changes yeah. but that's human yeah. Right. What we wanted when we're 20 is not going to be the same thing we want when we're 30 or 40 or 50. And, and it's going to keep changing because our life, our situation, our world, everything keeps changing. Yes. And so we all need to give ourselves permission to say that that our, our needs and wants are going to change as we grow. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's um it's so interesting, the whole great resignation and everything that sort of happened, because that that to me really played out in a big way. Right. Like women were forced, mm-hmm. quote unquote, to have to, you know, take care of kids, homeschool. And they never thought that they would have to do that. These women that were very driven and, and, and you know, wanted to have it all right and try and balance it all. And then they realized that it's just not possible. Like the time is it's just not possible. And so I, I put a lot of thought into like, okay, well, what's sort of the, what's the the antidote to the great resignation? And I, I keep saying it's entrepreneurship. You know, women should start businesses so that they don't have to feel like they have to go back to corporate in order to make the money and, you know, have that uh, feeling of success. But entrepreneurship's not for mm-hmm. everyone. Do you have any thoughts around that's that? what I was just gonna say yeah <laughs> <laughs> well and and I see it a lot where people think that's what they want right again going back to what sounds good on paper versus what actually fits us on paper it's like oh autonomy the freedom to make your own schedule no boss right all of this but not everybody works well in that situation some people need the structure some people need the guidance some people need you know, to be handed down their to-do list and to have somebody checking up on them and to have, you know, somebody else involved in that or to have, you know, a group of coworkers and, you know, people that they're on the same level with. And some people work very, very well in an organizational structure like that, whereas other people, based on their personalities and their lifestyle needs, fit better as an entrepreneur. And yeah. a lot of this comes down to understanding yourself, mm-hmm. your needs, and where you work best, where you thrive, what type of situation you work well in. You know, entrepreneurship, as you know, it doesn't end, right? You, mm-hmm. You're never nine to five. You can never actually clock out of your work. Yeah. And for some people, their brains just work that way and it's okay. Other people very much like the idea of saying it's 5 p.m., check, I'm out. And that works really well for them. And neither one of them is right or wrong, good or bad. It's just, you know, what works for different personality types and different lifestyle factors. So it's just more important for people to get an understanding of their own personal needs and what what works well for them, as opposed to saying, just blanketly do this because it gives you autonomy. So right. It, it, you're right. It is not for everybody. No, 
I actually teach a couple of classes, but one of the classes that I teach at NYU is entrepreneurship and business plan development. And it's within SPS, uh, Tisch Center for Hospitality. So a lot of these people are, you know, they want to go on to do events and um, hotels and uh, catering and, and all of that. What they often come away with <laughs> that they say um, at the end is like, oh my gosh, this class felt like therapy because I talk so much mm-hmm. about how you must understand who you are as an individual and what you want in your life in order to figure out, number one, is entrepreneurship for you at all? And if it is, what type of company do you want to have? You know, do you want to have a company where you can leave things alone and know things that are, you know, are going to be taken care of? Or do you want to be involved in every single decision? And like you said, Mm -hmm. neither is right or wrong. But what is right or wrong is, does that fit with who you are? And a lot of times, you know, these students, and even though they're grad students and they're, you know, maybe a tiny bit older, they're not, you know, they're not, oftentimes they're in their 20s, later 20s, but they don't know who they are and and what they want. And so we do a lot of self-reflection. And I think that I wish that when I was kind of coming up through college and grad school and all that kind of stuff, that I understood that I could make a choice and that I could evaluate and pick. I I was just following a path that I thought led to success because I think that's how we were right. all kind of taught. Um, but and then it, you know, guess what? <laughs> yeah, at the end, it you know, it didn't really all come out to be everything that we were promised. Um, so for me, entrepreneurship. Right gave me a way to, I think, be creative and like help people in a way that is important to me that keeps me driving forward. So I think, I think there's so much, there's so much in the work that you do. And I think there's so much that women, because I'm so focused on women, but you know, women entrepreneurs can benefit from really taking a deep dive into themselves. Yeah. Well, and I love that you do that in that class, because what I was thinking as I was listening to you talk about that is it's something, you know, self-reflection, self-assessment, right? Self-understanding is something that's not a part of kind of any of our educational path to getting to where our, our career path. Yeah. And it's so hard to make long-term life decisions for yourself without understanding who you are, what drives you, what you want, how you work, what style is best for you, what your needs are. I mean, there's a huge difference between somebody who, you know, needs somebody to say, hey, I need this done by Friday versus the type of person who can say, I'm just going to have this done by Friday. And they're completely different personalities that do that. And again, neither one of them right or wrong but if you don't have a good understanding of of where you fall on that spectrum, how can you possibly make career choices that meet those needs and meet those personality traits? So there's so much value in understanding yourself yeah. to be able to make these real significant life choices. Yeah. 
And how, how would you suggest, you know, someone who like I, I work with a lot of women that have like maybe had a corporate career and then they want to start a business and they want to make an impact and, and all of that. Like what what would be some like practical suggestions that you could give to someone who is sort of coming out of corporate wanting to start a business, maybe they have an idea for, you know, what that would be, but to take a moment to do some of this self-reflection work, like where, where would someone even start? Well, I always have them start with likes and dislikes, strengths and weaknesses, Mm -hmm. right? Looking at their previous job or previous career and saying, what did they love about it? And what did they hate about it? right? Because the things that they love are the things we're trying to recreate somewhere and the things that they hated are things we're trying to avoid. And how powerful are those factors, right? And Mm -hmm. it may be, I really loved when I got to do kind of creative tasks. But, you know, I, I really hated that I couldn't create my own timeline or that I had to work nine to five or, Mm -hmm. you know, that I had somebody micromanaging me. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's somebody who clearly is going to want to move into a path that allows them creativity and doesn't have somebody providing oversight to them. But within that, then we also need to look at what are your strengths and weaknesses? Mm. And what are you really good at? When you look at your career up till now, what have you have you been proud of? What have you said, you know what, I can handle that really well. I do a really good job of that, as opposed to the things that maybe you weren't so good at. And it's really important to have an understanding of both. Mm. Because I use the, the example of, deadlines and procrastination a lot when I talk to people about, you know, becoming an entrepreneur, because there are a lot of people that need somebody else, even if it's arbitrary to say, I need this by Friday, Mm. because when they don't have that deadline on themselves, they're not very good at self-imposing it. And Mm. that's a really, really necessary skill if you're going to be an entrepreneur to be a self-starter, to be able to make things happen on an appropriate timeline, to not be somebody who's very, very subject to procrastination. And Mm -hmm. so understanding something like that, for example, about yourself as a weakness is also important in determining what you're going to do, where you're going to go, which doesn't even necessarily mean they can't become an entrepreneur, but it Mm -hmm. may mean they're going to do better as a partnership with somebody. It may mean that they're going to do better with a mentor who's putting some deadlines in place for them and following up with them and having, creating some accountability for them. So it's, it's identifying these likes and dislikes, strengths and weaknesses. It's not about saying, okay, therefore you can't do this, but it's about saying, okay, given that knowledge, what can I put in place? That's going to make me successful. Yeah. I love that. I I think that's so good. I I often talk to the students about, you know, what are you afraid of? What what do you hate doing? You know, and many times they mention math and and finances. Like they, so many people Uh just hate that. And Uh I say, you know, I I talk about like, look, you you do need to know your numbers and it, it can be intimidating because so many people throw around so many different, you know, terms. And I think there's like an intimidation part of it. But on the other hand, I say, you don't need to to do it all. You can delegate this work to other people in order to get it done. But knowing that you hate the the numbers, you know, instead of just saying, I hate it and I I don't know, who cares? Take responsibility for the fact that you hate it and that you're going to find someone that loves it right? So that they can yeah. help you out. Yeah. So I, I, I love yeah. almost doing like a very simple, like, 
what do you like? What don't you like? What are you good at? What are you not so good at? You don't have to, you don't have to get good at the stuff that you're not good at. You just need to surround yourself. And with you don't people. have to like the stuff. Yeah. Nope. Nope. You don't yeah. have to like the stuff that you don't like, right? You yeah. just have to figure out how to work with that based on that knowledge, but you need that knowledge. You need that yeah. perspective. And you have, and you need to also have the confidence in yourself that you can figure that stuff out, right? Instead of instead of mm-hmm. that stopping you from from moving forward and saying, "Wow, well, I can't be an entrepreneur," or "Oh, I can't," you know, figure this out. You have to have that like drive yeah. almost to figure it out. Yeah. yeah, I mean, confidence is is a critical component to starting your own business, right? There has to be an underlying belief that you're capable, confident, and that this is something that can succeed. Yep. Otherwise, you're never going to get the drive to get that going in the first place. Yeah, yeah. So I I just, I love this conversation so much. I, I always say like, who you are at some point or another, it shows up in your business. It, it just it just does. Even if it's like, you know, oh, I, I don't feel very confident about, you know, the fact that I'm not as good of a whatever marketer than, than this person over here. That's going to affect the way that I price my stuff. Or maybe it's going, going to like you know, uh, lead to me doing above and beyond and not charging for things, which ultimately harms me, harms my business. Um, but it, it's, it's like I'm making what I'm thinking coming true, right? I make it come true. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. is just, you know, not, it's not a good thing. So I often have thought like, even for myself and, and to recommend to other people, you know, get a therapist. Why not? Right? Like, like talk to someone at least that if you can't do some of these things for yourself, bring on someone that you trust so that you can kind of work through these things. Is that is that sort of the mm-hmm. same type of advice that you give to, to people? Well, I'm certainly biased, but I think the world would be a better place if everybody had a therapist. Yeah. Because most <laughs> of us don't have, right? We don't have a relationship where we can just share and have it be completely about ourselves, right? If yeah. we're talking with a spouse, if we're talking with friends, we're talking about fam- with family members, they're either involved in our life and what we're talking about, or we're concerned about their feelings and their involvement and you know, equality and wanting them to share and connect and not wanting to suck up too much of their time or or get them involved in our problems. And therapy is really the one place that you have that 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 space, that time can be all about you mm-hmm. in an unbiased, judgment-free environment. And there's so much value to sharing in that way, right? Not not every therapist is a is a career coach. But most people don't need that. They need just the space to talk about it, to process it, to help guide them. Because most of us have the answers internally. We just Mm. need the guidance, direction, and space to find it. Mm. And that's a lot of what therapy does for most people. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think that that should sort of be part of the the business planning, right? Like, wh- who are some of the team members that you need to hire uh, instead of a graphic designer? Uh-huh. Like, let's start with a <laughs> therapist. <Yep. laughs> oh, believe a therapist me. therapist and an accountant. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the, the new hire number one. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. So Candice, where can uh, people learn more about you, get your books, find out uh, about how you can potentially help them? 
My website is probably the easiest place. It's meonlybetter.com. There's links to all my social media and my books and stuff on there. But obviously, you can find that all on Amazon as well. But yeah, that's probably the best place to get started to find links to everything else to be able to contact me with questions, comments, feedback, thoughts, all that stuff. I'm accessible that way. So it's meonlybetter.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been very enlightening for me. And I'm probably going to be contacting you outside of this myself uh, for <laughs> some help on some of the things well, that we've covered. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. And thank you I so much it. for your, your contribution to our uh, retreat, which was just so amazing and phenomenal. So uh, we're going to have a oh, follow up. You're so welcome. Oh, and you know, it's funny, we're going to have a follow up with uh, some of the ladies that attended. And I'm going to specifically talk to them about the workbook um, and sort of what they learned. So maybe we can even invite you to come and uh, just do a a little hello session with them at some point. I think that everybody would really appreciate it. I'd love that. Awesome. Well, Candice, thank you so much and enjoy this long, beautiful weekend. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. You too. The She Leads Podcast Network.